Recording. Timer is on. Welcome to Short Form After Dark. That's right. It's where we work on sucking less at life and we don't give a shit about boundaries. If you listen to the last episode, Dark Mode, uh, I decided that the title made it seem like, you know, that was the subject of the episode, as if we're discussing modes on an app. So, after dark it is. Hope you're having a fantastic week. This is Hump Day. Let's talk about the most valuable commodity you have. It's not money. It's not looks or fame. It is your time. Nothing else exists with such finite boundaries as our time on this planet. Specifically, I want to talk about your attention and how everyone is at war trying to win it. Because your attention, or rather, your focus, dictates how you spend your time. The wild thing is now, once you understand this raging battle for your thoughts, you'll realize how fucking powerful you are compared to all these big companies and advertisers. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's take a moment, crack a beer, pour some tequila over ice, or have a really nice glass of Chardonnay. We are not in a hurry. Clock is running, but I think we're going to be okay today. I think we're going to have time. And that's actually the Number one battlefield we're going to talk about is the lie that you must always be in a rush. And a key component of this is FOMO, fear of missing out, which was coined in 2004 and rose to prominence quickly after. Now, fear of missing out is exactly what it is. I, some, somebody's doing something and I don't want to miss it. Whatever that something is, or an event is happening, I don't want to miss it. A great definition or explanation of this I found is in 2013, British psychologists elaborated and defined it as pervasive apprehension that others might be having rewarding experiences from which one is absence. That's amazing. Let's read that again. That is so British. It's fantastic. Pervasive apprehension that others might be having rewarding experiences from which one is absent. Now, this was listed on the National Library of Medicine in 2021. So fear of missing out, you might be thinking, well, what does that have to do with focus? Well, let's talk about that. First and foremost, if you're constantly wondering what others are doing, this is going to destabilize your ability to focus on what's important to you. Now, a quick example would be, let's say you're working, you have a job, and you're going to school at the same time. Maybe night school, maybe you're working part-time and going to school part-time, whatever it is, this is your situation. And as you're going through this process, over time, you're looking at your phone, TikTok, Instagram, maybe Facebook, people still do that. But as you're doing that, especially when you're tired or you want a distraction, late at night, your brain is kind of wired, but you're not really falling asleep. What are you doing? You're scrolling. You're looking at what your friends are up to, what other people your age are doing, concerts that are happening, places people are traveling, 
Hell, it could be somebody that you know or somebody of, you know, dog videos of someone throwing a ball for their dog in their backyard. And you're sitting there thinking, man, I'd love to have a dog. How great would that be? But I work all the time. I'm at school all the time. I'm always studying. I'm always doing homework. Where the hell am I going to get time for a dog? And you start to question things. And over time, if you really start going down this rabbit hole, you beat yourself up. God, why am I so tired all the time? Why am I doing this? Is this degree or certification even going to help me? I'm missing out on all this stuff. I'm only going to be young once. FOMO. Another example might be you're in a rough patch in your relationship. Things aren't falling apart. It's just a difficult time. And you see other people, single people, and how great a life they're living. Living the high life, not being, quotation mark, tied down. Not really the best place for you to be. It's a very dangerous place to be. Looking and being envious of others when your focus and energy should be on the relationship and the trust and the value and the communication that goes into it. Really important to understand that even though we're talking about basic stuff, it is pervasive to us. And the second battlefield is being intentionally manipulated, intentionally manipulated. Need to back off on the tequila. Now, this is different from FOMO, but it can include it because it's marketing and it's actively trying to convince you something is missing. Now, the tactics that are used are really what make this so manipulative because when you're being marketed and advertised to, they're using emotional, they are using, you know, deals or this concept of, you know, save money, which it's incredible that that lie still persists because if you spend money to get a deal, you're not saving anything. You spent money. Other tactics are you know, products that look perfect in their advertising. Say they're advertising for a cereal. They'll, they'll use um, glue for milk so that the cereal stays on top and looks floaty and crispy and ready to eat. Oil for syrup because it's more viscous and it has a better shine to it. They can use symbolic imagery, say a bunch of young, beautiful, hip people drinking beer and having a great time without you. FOMO. It's going to whisper that every once in a while. FOMO. And then obviously, let's not forget about outlandish or outright you know, false claims, lies of what something can do. Right, And we see these things all the time. Fat loss, you need this pill. Are you tired? Oh, you need this spa. Not a brand new car? You need this year's model. By the way, when we're talking about advertising and marketing, in 2007, the average American was, was estimated the average American saw about 5,000 advertisements per day which is roughly five times what the average American saw in the 1970s. Today, that is actually estimated to be closer to 10,000. 10,000 advertisements per day. And if you're wondering how that's possible, think about the food in your pantry. Every single thing in your pantry is an advertisement. All of those labels, all those fun photos, all the catchy phrases, it's all advertising. 
Every time you look at your phone, every time you turn on your TV, every time you watch YouTube, every time you look at a magazine, every time you're driving down, driving anywhere, you're going to see billboards, you're going to see advertisements on the street, you're listening to radio, the list goes on and on. It is absolutely happening. You're just not aware of it because we've just accepted it. This is just how things are. Lastly, or one of the last things we're going to discuss tonight, there's so many more. Lastly, for this episode, the battleground, this battleground is a little bit different, and it's our access to the information of the world. Before the internet, basically, you know, prior to 1997, 98, if you wanted to know something, you had to find an expert or become one yourself. Want to know how a microwave works? Well, you go to the library and search for books about electromagnetic radiation, and you can find out how a microwave works. Broad subjects, simple subjects, you had to go find it. You had to actively get off your butt and go get it. But since the internet, oh, you can now find anything from anywhere. Think about that for a moment. Sounds incredible. Anything about anything from anywhere. And indeed, it's, it's an astonishing feat. But at the same time, we're human. When we see a good thing, we want as much of it as possible. Me and chocolate cake. The dangerous, potent combination. Don't leave me alone with that cake. We went from the age of information starvation to information overload. And we did it in less than 10 years. Everything before that. And by the way, when I mean before that, I mean millennia. I don't mean 10, 20, 30, 50 years or, so, or the inception of the United States. I mean, period. You had to go actively find it. You had to go actively research it. If you wanted to know something that happened as far as like a public event or a disaster or anything, you had to go to the library and look up what we call microfish, which is black and white transparent copies of newspaper. And you just sit there and scroll through hundreds of them on this basically overhead projector that showed you what was on these slides and you tried to find the article you were looking for. That's how you did it. Or you went to a news agency and asked them information, maybe you found the reporter. But in order to come down with these things, you had to put in that kind of effort. Now, pull out my phone from anywhere basically on planet Earth and type in that information and I'm going to get results because somebody's already put it up there. The difference between those two scenarios cannot be overstated. So it's the information overload. And I want to talk about real quick before I get into what we can do about this. There was a study by Professor Michael Posner at the University of Oregon that found if you are focusing on something and you get interrupted, on average, it'll take you about 23 minutes to get back to the same state of focus. Now, a different study on office workers in the U.S. found most of them never get an hour of uninterrupted work in a typical day. In other words, every hour they're being interrupted. And if it goes on for months or years, it scrambles your ability to figure out who you are and what you want. Right? You become lost in your own life. And if it's happening at work, if you're being interrupted constantly at work, do you think it stops there? Because it doesn't. If you're constantly being interrupted at work, you're constantly being interrupted everywhere because we're human and we get used to things. 
it's in this situation simultaneously a great strength and a great weakness. So what can we do about all of this? Right, so much is being thrown at you simultaneously. How do you compete with that? The answer is simple in mindset, but enormous in the effort. You have to disengage actively. You have to accept that you have a finite amount of attention resources and then try to figure out where that boundary lies. And I don't just mean, you know, set app limits on your phone. This is about changing habits. Ironically, this will take time. But the benefit is that as you start to make progress on this and make better choices along the way, you're making progress. So instead of at the end of the day, you think, God, what did I do with today? How amazing would it be that you have a quiver full of memories and not be brain dead from the barrage of junk and overstimulation that we're so used to now? That if this happens over years to millions of people, what are we not doing? What are we not accomplishing? And it could be on a personal level, or it could be on a profoundly large-scale public level. What isn't happening? Think about politics in America, just specifically America. In the last 15 to 20 years, they are a shit show. Not only from the politicians and the people that are running for office, but look at how voters are responding. Who are we actually voting into office? And that's just one example. That's just one example. Right? We live in an age of Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, streaming services, YouTube, everything. Go, 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 go. What could we do if we took a step back and accepted that one, we're not going to be a, a part of everything, and two, that is okay. That we give ourselves permission to not be a part of every single thing. Thanks for listening, and have a fantastic week. I'll catch you in the next one.